mm-hmm. you know? So this was, uh, this unity task forces were sort of the, one of the things that Bernie got for ostensibly suspending his campaign uh, early before many primaries had occurred. Right. In thereby May or something. sacrificing his delegates at the convention and any right. leverage he would have had to force issues on the floor or in some of the key committees. So <laughs> this is sort of the idea that, that uh, this is a big sacrifice for him. Like the whole push is like unity is necessary to beat Trump in some way. Didn't want to be blamed, I suppose, for being a spoiler. And this is this idea that uh, these unity reform commission recommendations are going to be presented to the DNC when it decides on <laughs> its platform in about a month. Yeah. Um, cool. And hmm. so you can read these things and we should go through them extensively as, you know, here is what that wrought for uh, Bernie. And there's sort of like two takes that you're, I think you're seeing out there. One is, wow, this is a lot more progressive than Joe Biden would have been otherwise, right? <laughs> Which doesn't address That's the counterfactual. How progressive sorry. would he have been had had Bernie held out longer? Well, and doesn't address the fact that this is not Biden's new platform, which is being covered as. This is exactly like the recommendations of a task force which united like Bernie sphere people in public policy of different areas with like Biden sphere people in public policy of different areas to like talk stuff over and try and make like like literally try to make a compromise within the party itself pleasing mm-hmm. i assume nobody um but it is right. not yeah i mean well well and also just let's let's think about the fact that like there hasn't been any real effort at this point to have anything like any kind of a meaningful convention it's not going to be it's not going to be in person it, it's not going to be like substantial like, I'm sorry, I just don't think that it's going to actually matter at all. And like all of the yeah, back, uh, all of the backroom. I've shit, heard that. I've heard that perspective as well. Yeah. That normally would happen at a convention. It just isn't going to happen. And like they have this opportunity. Essentially, what it feels like is the Biden team has this opportunity to be like, look, we did a unity task force thing, then not have to basically very publicly uh, produce any kind of a platform because there isn't really going to be a convention. And yeah. and then they can just sweep all of this under the rug. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the, the first. Yeah. So the, the first big takeaway is that, like, um, you know, ooh, this is more progressive than Biden would have done otherwise. But but I don't really I think that that's like you're, you're not addressing a very relevant counterfactual uh, there. Um, the second take is that this is sort of nothing whatsoever um, and reveals nothing. But I actually do think it reveals something, uh, although it's not necessarily what I think is is publicly sort of supposed. Um, so and I, and I think really what you see is there's a lot of variation across different task forces on this whole thing. Um, and the the worst one, the one I was most disappointed with was healthcare. Oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we should just go through it. So the healthcare task force included some people from the Obama administration, Vivek Murthy, and uh, who was the former Surgeon General, co-chaired it with Pramila Jayapal. Now, I think choosing Jayapal to be co-chair of this is a sort of interesting uh, choice. Obviously, there's a sort of facial reason why, which is that she was the author of the Medicare for All bill in the House. Mm -hmm. But uh, by not putting her, say, on the economy task force, it 
kind of deprived her of an opportunity to make more assertively what would be like bolder initiatives in that area that she's been responsible for. Right. And mm-hmm. by putting her on, on this uh, task force, which was sort of stacked with um, there was sort of uh, an imbalance, obviously Biden is sort of the presumptive winner. So he gets more people on the task force, but um, it really ends up being nothing of what Jayapal wanted. No. I mean, oh, it's no, sort of like, all, yeah. it's really tragic from the perspective of here, here she is giving legitimacy to this set of policies and, you know, there's a there's a way I can imagine that she might be seeing this optimistically, but I'm mm-hmm. not optimistic about it. And this I don't feels know like it a be. censure, to be honest. This feels like punitive, frankly. Well, yeah, I was going to say the whole I feel like this entire document, almost every one of these uh, like the things that these committees came back with. Um, you know, not to be, well, because first of all, again, remember, like we were, we were saying, not only are these like recommendations towards the, uh, DNC, uh, convention, like, um, what is ultimately offered up as the party platform after the convention, the party platform after the convention is not necessarily what will be actually actively proposed anyway. So it's like recommendations for a document that will ultimately come out as recommendations for the future should Biden win. So Mm -hmm. that's already two degrees of remove and makes this more absurd, but also like these do all of them have the vibe of, I'm just, I'm just like imagining how one would, if you were say in the Biden verse and you wanted to make sure that you really controlled the narrative, these do have the vibe of like, um, okay, they brought all these people in like, okay, great. We got, we got AOC here. We got Jaya Paul there. We got Stephanie Kelton. We got Sarah Nelson. Like never, never two make, on the same committee unless right. they speak to each other. Going to make, uh, you know, we're, we're going to make sure that, uh, like we get the, we get the PR hit that like people like progressives know, uh, or whatever that, that we're, we're listening to them. We're listening to them so that like we can then listen to the people who listened to them and produce the document. But, um, right. It really does feel like, okay, they had maybe a, a meeting and then, I don't know, like, again, if I, again, not to be conspiratorial, but if I were to be the Biden team and doing this, I would probably just decide like, well, you know, what we're going to do is we'll do, um, we'll have, we'll have our meeting, we'll hear everyone out, uh, and then we'll have like a breakout session and the adults are going to craft the legislation or not legislative. The adults are going to craft the, uh, par- platform Document. suggestions. Whoa. And then like AOC and Jayapal can sit in like the Burger King kids club section or something and just like enjoy seeing, go know, talk about socialism we'll, in the corner. We'll right. do it. We'll do adults it. work. Right. We'll do a first draft. You guys throw some edits at us and then we'll come back with a final. And I think it'll be great. I think everybody's going to be happy. So you've written uh, Medicare for all here. Let's uh, I think what you meant to say was public option. No, Cobra (laughs) subsidies, several months of Cobra subsidies, plus plus a very generous. Wait for it. Special enrollment period. (laughs) Well, I I, I think we, we should talk about the details of yeah. this, but Let's I want to frame it in the following way, which is the whole goal of this, the supposed goal. And actually, I think the real goal, if you're Biden and, and you're presumptively going to be the presidential, you know, you're the presidential nominee, pres- you know, you could be the president. Your goal actually is to unite the party. That is your goal. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you want to do that in some meaningful, authentic way. And ostensibly, the whole goal of these unity task forces is to allow for compromise. Right. And, and sort of negotiation. But there are two ways of doing that. And I think that it, one often gets mistaken for 
the only way. And the one that is commonly understood is like, well, we'll bring these two different sets of people together who have very different preferences. And the one with more power will ultimately win. That is how Democrats (laughs) think of cooperation or or compromise. Yeah. The other way of doing it and what they have resolutely failed to do is rather than doing that, if you really want to like create a weld two different sides together is you somehow introduce a third, uh, attractor, a third uh, way in, in the negotiations. <laughs> um, you well, I mean, not a third way. But, no, I know. Uh, I know. Stop <laughs> it, Arnie. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Keep going. No, but you you basically introduce another set of interests that actually does uh, because it introduces a new set of issues. It does a- enable people to reframe the discussion. I think the healthcare section of this report is is like so proof positive of this because they mm-hmm. deal with all of these issues. Right. Or like, oh, we're going to create this this little special enrollment period. And uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, this like you know, temporary increase of, you know, premium subsidies. Right. But they don't. Yeah, you got to you the- got to tell it like. Hello, this is Daniel Beatrice's screen reader program. Support us at patreon.com slash death panel pod to hear the full episode and get access to patron only content. With love, the death panel.